Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. God, listen, remember, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Did you know that God is going to make you live by faith? Now, I don't like that. I would much prefer to live by sight and feeling. I like that. I can see things. Yeah, that makes sense. That's clear. Oh, yeah, I feel really good about that. Man, I really like that. But, you know, I have discovered in my own life that that's not the way it works. Because God wants us dependent on Him. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Acts, chapter 27, verses 23 through 25, in a message titled, The Gospel and the Life of Faith. Now, here's Pastor Brian. You know, there are so many wonderful stories of how, uh, you know, people have just stepped out, churches, you know, have stepped into things that just seemed impossible, but God said, you know, just trust me. And, and they said, okay, Lord, it doesn't make sense. I don't know how it's going to happen, but you know, people step out and, and God is faithful. He comes through. It's amazing what he does. And so he does that with the church, a church collectively, as I'm saying, we have to collectively as a body, we have to also function by faith. But then I want to take it to another level, and this is just the level of the kingdom itself. And this is what I, I, I mean by this. What we're talking about here is just the conviction that God is at work, and he wants to do greater things. Now, unfortunately, not everybody believes this who's a Christian. You know, I have met Christians in certain places And I've come into certain places all excited about a vision, and I think God wants to do. And I've had local Christians say, you're crazy. No, that's never going to happen. You know, no, God's not working here anymore. You know, the church church has given up. And man, when the church gives up, that's a problem. And and what, what does that indicate? It indicates there's a lack of faith. Because the church should always be, we should be optimistic, not pessimistic. We should always be believing that, you know, God's at work in the world. Remember in Hebrews, it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the person that comes to God must believe that he is, and he rewards those who diligently seek him. And when it says it must believe that he is, I don't think that means that we must believe that God exists. I don't don't even think it takes faith to believe God exists. I think uh, common sense should teach you that, that God exists. Logic should teach you that God exists. There's a creation, there must be a creator. When it says that we must believe that God is, what I think it means is this. We must believe that God is present. We must believe that God is active. We must believe that God is at work in the world. You see, as the world grows darker, the gospel shines brighter, and faith says I believe God, therefore I'm going to go despite what it looks like. Or I'm going to contribute to sending despite what it looks like. Or I'm going to do despite what it looks like, what the circumstances might be, or what the voices, you know, in the air might, might be saying. Now, as we look at this whole picture of faith from start to finish, like I was talking about here in the book of Acts, again, 
Think of how these guys must have felt in one sense when Jesus said to them, you are the light of the world. You are, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Think about how they must have felt. And, and remember, now, I can say that to you today, and I'm just quoting Jesus. So Jesus says that to us. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. There's, you know, a fair number of us here in the room. And we might feel daunted by that, even ourselves, to just think, well, you know, we're kind of a small group here. And I don't know how, I don't know how that's going to work. But think of the guys that Jesus originally said that to. I mean, he's talking to 12 guys, and we know one of them didn't survive. He was a phony, and he, he was eventually took himself out of the picture, Judas. But, you know, the Lord brought a few others in. But, you know, just think about, here's these guys, and especially the Galileans among them. You know, the, the Galileans had never been outside of their country. They'd been to Jerusalem, but, you know, they'd never been anywhere. And they were common people. You know, finally, God brought a scholar into the mix with Paul. But apart from that, you know, they were fishermen, and one guy was a tax collector, and one guy was a, a kind of a revolutionary guy, and, um, and they, were, they were just ordinary people. And Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. They must have thought, you're kidding, right? What? How, how are we that? You know, salt preserves. It keeps, it keeps from corruption, you guys are going to keep the world from corrupting. Light gives light. It, it exposes. It, it brings, you know, it, it gets rid of the darkness. How are the, how's this little handful of guys going to do this? Well, they did it. How did they do it? They did it by faith. That's the point. It, it's always going to happen by faith. And, you know, here's the thing with, with living by faith. Faith is, is contrasted with, with sight and with feeling. Now, we, our, our natural tendency is to live by sight or feeling or to do what we do by sight or feeling. So I want to do things that I can see how it's going to work out. Yeah, I'm going to go do this, and, and man, I see how this is going to fit here, and that's going to do this, and man, we've got this, and it's great. I can, I can see it all. If you can see it all, guess what? You're not living by faith. There, there's going to be that, there's, just by its very nature, there's going to be that, that sort of fuzziness to it. It's going to be a little bit murky. You're, you're going to be looking at it like, gosh, I, I feel like the Lord wants me to do this. I just don't, I just don't know how it's going to happen. See, that's, that's faith. That's, you step into that. Or, again, you know, sight, feeling. They're different, but they're similar. You know, man, I, I just feel like this is going to be one thing. But, but you know, sometimes your, your feelings can be like, no, I, I feel like this is going to go bad. I feel like this is not going to work. But I also feel like God is telling me to do it. God is telling me to step out. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't pencil out. But you see, that's where faith comes in. If you can figure it all out, if you know already how you can do it, and you're confident that it's going to be done, guess what? Then you're not stepping out in faith. There has to be, at least to some degree, that element there. 
And God, listen, because remember, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Did you know that God is going to make you live by faith? Now, I don't like that. I would much prefer to live by sight and feeling. I like that. I can see things. Yeah, that makes sense. That's clear. Oh, yeah, I feel really good about that. Man, I really like that. But, you know, I have discovered in my own life that that's not the way it works. God, because God wants us dependent on him. And the way to get us to depend on him and not ourselves is to put us in circumstances or call us to things that we can't do. It's impossible. And if it's going to get done, <laughs> God's going to have to do it. And, and I'm just going to believe that he is going to do it. Years ago, I, I came across this fantastic quote. This is a quote from a man named George Mueller. George Mueller He's known in church history as Mueller of Bristol. And the reason for that is Bristol is a city in England. And George Mueller, by faith, he came as a, a, a missionary, really. He came from what we would know today as Germany. And he came to England. And throughout his life, after pastoring a few churches, he fed and clothed and educated thousands and thousands of orphans in England. And he did it basically by faith. He's the guy, maybe you heard his name mentioned or you heard stories about him, where he was the guy who never asked people for money. He would just ask God, God, you know, we need this. And the Lord would just consistently, you know, over the, over the years, just provide for him. But he said this, and listen, it's important. He said this, he's, he said, you will never learn faith in comfortable surroundings. God gives us the promises in a quiet hour. God seals our covenants with great and gracious words. Then he steps back and waits to see how much we believe. Then he lets the tempter come, and the test seems to contradict all that he has spoken. It is then that faith wins the crown. That is the time to look up through the storm and among the trembling, frightened seamen, cry, I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. And man, I think, wow. So he, he draws from the story that we read today. That's exactly what Paul did. In the midst of the storm, when everybody says, okay, we are done. We are sunk. We're all dying. Paul stands up and says, we're not. And you could be sure that some of the people in the crowd thought, who is this nut? You know, what is this guy? Of course, we're going to die. I mean, the ship is going to sink. We're in a storm. We're in the, the middle of a hurricane. Euroclidon, that was a hurricane. They were in the middle of it. But Paul says, no, I, I want to tell you that God spoke to me and he told me that no one's going to lose their life. And I believe what God told me. And you see, that's, that's it in the midst of the storm. And, and I love the way uh, Mueller describes this here. First of all, of course, he says, we're never going to learn faith in comfortable circumstances. That's a reality. We're never going to learn faith in comfortable circumstances. Now, of course, that's, I don't like that. I like comfortable circumstances. Oh, God, make me a, make me a man of faith. Oh, Lord, I want to be a person of faith. You know what you're praying for? You're praying for trouble. <laughs> you're praying for discomfort. You're praying for your life to be interrupted. But listen, don't stop praying because it's worth it. 
It is worth it in the end. It doesn't, when, you know, as you're going into it, and, you know, the great thing about God is, you know, he doesn't necessarily consult us or care what we think. Uh, he's going to get us where he wants us to go. And I've had so many experiences in my life where I thought, you know, had God told me in advance any of the details of what we were doing, I would have just opted out. Like, okay, that's all right, Lord. Yep. Glad you want to do that, but could you find somebody else? Because I don't really want to go through that. But that's the way it is. But then he says this here. He says that God gives us promises in a quiet hour. God seals our covenants with great and gracious words. Then he steps back and waits to see how much we believe. And that is so often the case. You know, we get these visions and we feel like, man, the Lord's going to do this. And oh, it's going to be so sweet. And, and then you get out there, you take the step, and it's just, you're met with opposition immediately. Everything starts going haywire. And of course, your temptation is to think, I should have stayed where I was. I, I shouldn't have stepped out. And, and let me say this too, as we're talking about the advancement of the kingdom, and like I said, you know, there's two different ways to look at the world as a Christian. You can look at it through, the, through your own eyes, which will lead to pessimism. Or you can look at it through the eyes of faith and say, you know what? Despite all the crazy stuff that's going on, I believe that God is still at work. And did you know that historically, God does his greatest work when there's chaos and confusion among people? He, he doesn't do his greatest work when everything's hunky-dory. Historically, it's when things are a disaster, when things are a mess, when things seem to be irreparable. This is when God so often works historically and steps in. But you know, we, we can be tempted. We can look around and, and we can think that uh, that's a hopeless situation. Those are hopeless people. Nothing could ever be done there. Man, forget it. You know, we're just doomed. It's man, Lord, come and just get us out of this world. Well, Lord, what about the rapture? We thought it was going to be here already. And now it's just going from bad to worse. What does God want us to do? Does he want us to wring our hands or does he want us to throw our hands in the air in despair? No, he wants us to have faith. He wants us to believe that he's still at work. There's still more things to do. You know, I saw this article from the, the Guardian. The Guardian, is what, uh, the, the Guardian is to Britain what the New York Times is to us. And of course, I know these are international. But so the New York Times is the most liberal paper in the country, no question about it, with an agenda to promote those kinds of ideas. So in, in other words, the New York Times isn't really promoting the gospel or Christian faith, right, too much. I mean, I'm, you know, occasionally they put an article in there and you think, wow, how did that get in there? Well, that happened with The Guardian. So The Guardian is the British equivalent. So I see this, this thing from The Guardian, and it's a picture of these guys and, you know, some of us have heard of them, uh, MS-13. MS-13 is a El Salvadoran gang, and they have people here. But there, uh, they largely control much of the country. They put El Salvador on the map as the most, the highest murder rate in the world. And so anyway, but here's this picture of these guys, and it says, that I think the caption was something like, you know, no hope or nothing that can be done kind of a thing. And then it said, except God. The only answer, no answer except God. And so it was an article. I read like the first paragraph. I was busy. I didn't have time, but I thought, no, oh, this, this looks amazing. So I retweeted it. And then um, 
But this morning it turned up in my feed again and I realized there's a video on it, which I didn't even know. And so I watched this 12 minute video. Now I've been to El Salvador a number of times. We have had ministry as a church. We've been ministering in El Salvador for decades. And so we've got a lot of ministry and stuff going on. But this 12 minute video was basically interviews with all of these former MS-13 gang members who have come to Christ. And they're telling the story. I mean, these guys get inducted into the, this gang and the 18th Street gang, 18th Street gang. Uh, they get inducted at the ages of like five, six, seven, eight years old. And by the time they're 10 or 11, they're killing people. And this is their, this is their life. And one guy said this, the only way out of MS-13 is prison, the hospital, or death. But then he said, but the real way out is Jesus Christ. And so the guardian gives this story of how all of these MS-13 gang people are coming to Christ. And one of the guys that was being interviewed, a former gang member, he was saying, you know, there's 1,500 former MS-13 gang members worshiping Jesus in this prison. And man, you look at that. And, you know, but, you know, but the, but, you know, the question is like, what is the guardian doing posting this? But listen, here's the thing. And like I said, you know, extreme left, like the New York Times, but when they see something that's real gospel, they, they can't, deny that there's something to that. And this is a point that I want to make. Listen, we have to be about the gospel. We have to be about the gospel, not about the politics and all of that kind of stuff. Because when we start getting into the, all that other political stuff, uh, you know, people don't want to hear it. It's, forget that. You know, we don't want to hear about your, your agenda. Uh, but man, when they hear the gospel and they see the gospel working and they see these guys who have, their lives have been transformed by Christ. This is powerful. But see, here's also the thing. Now, some Christians even would look on and say, that's a hopeless situation over there. That MS-13, man, that's just, that's, you know, that just is another indicator that we're sunk. It's just another indicator that it, it's over. Some Christians will do that, but other Christians will look and say, you know what? That is something that by faith, we believe that God wants to change. We believe that God wants to do a work. And so we're going to take a step out in faith. And in some cases, we're going to risk our lives. We're going to put ourselves on the line, but we're going to believe God. And that, that's what we're talking about here. That's what Faith is all about, and this is the Christian life. It's the Christian life from the moment of conversion to your very last breath. It's a life of faith. And you know, when you're living the life of faith, as you can see from our study in the book of Acts, you know, there, you're living an adventure. And like any adventure, it's got its perils. It's got its, you know, dangers. It's got its moments where you're like, I don't know if I really signed up for this. But nevertheless, remember what Hebrews 11 tells us about. It's, it's that chapter that's really, you know, some, somebody has labeled it as the hall of faith. And what does it say? That through faith, they subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They stopped the mouth of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. 
You know, all of these things. They did this how? They did this by faith. And, and that hall of faith is, uh, you know, the author of Hebrews says, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, and what, what, he's getting, what he's wanting us to understand is that all of these heroes of the faith, they did what they did with less understanding of God than you have. See, their understanding of God was limited. Christ hadn't come yet. They didn't understand the full implications of you know, what the Messiah would do for us and who he would be and how he would indwell us and how he'd be with us to the end of the world. They didn't understand any of that, but they did these amazing things by faith. And the author is saying, man, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what are we doing? Let us lay aside every weight. Let's get rid of the sin that is slowing us down and let's run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. And listen, this is what we got to do. You have to do this. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't grow in your life as a Christian without faith. You've got to believe what God said, and you've got to appropriate it to your life. And we can't advance as a church without faith. We've got to believe that God is, is wanting to work. He's wanting to work in our community here and beyond our community. And of course, as many of you know, for many years, God has just given us a, a worldwide ministry. And he continues to open doors. He continues to bring new opportunities our way. And we want to continue to walk by faith and trust him and see what he's going to do. And it, it's so helpful if we just recognize that, you know, it. God does give us the promises. He shows us things. He you know, he pulls us in through these, these, you know, visions that he gives us. But we just need to recognize that, you know, when we launch out, it's going to be a little bit different. Remember, Jesus said to Paul, Paul, you're going to, just like you testified for me in Jerusalem, you are going to testify in Rome. You're going to stand before Caesar and you're going to tell him about me. And the devil did not want Caesar to hear the gospel from Paul. And so he's doing everything to try to prevent that from happening. He's going to sink the ship and kill this guy. He's not going to make it. But God says, no, I'm going to get you there. And he does get him there. And he does share the gospel with Caesar. And it seems that that didn't impact Caesar. But what we do know is this from Paul's writings. It did impact the household of Caesar. Because Paul sends greetings from those who were part of Caesar's household. And so you see, God wants to use you. He wants to use me. He's going to give us these promises. He wants to work in our lives. He wants to bring us into that place of peace and holiness and godliness. And all of it comes back down to, I believe God. I believe what God's word says about all of these things. And I'm going to act. Let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So Brian, your friend has written another great book and he's your friend and he's also kind of your little bit of a fan. Let's just be honest. I am a big fan of Ray Ortland 
and he has written this fantastic little book on the gospel. But really the gist of it is creating gospel culture within your church. So gospel culture is really, it's a culture of love. It's a culture of grace. It's a culture where anybody can come in and know that they're going to be given an opportunity to hear the good news of of God's love and people are going to be patient and not judgmental and give God time to work. So that's pretty much what he lays in out other in words, this great little book. People are going to be like Jesus. People are going to be like Jesus. As they study Jesus. Yeah. So I highly recommend this little book by my friend Ray Ortland called The Gospel. Again, this month's resource is a book titled The Gospel by Ray Ortland. You can order the book, The Gospel, by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it, then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, The Gospel by Ray Ortland, to help you develop a biblical perspective of gospel culture. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.